Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. It's good to have you here tonight. I want to recognize some people that are here tonight. Uh, first and foremost, me. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, my niece, Morgan T. Ann Holler, is here. My, she is uh, my brother, Brandon, and sister-in-law Jennifer's oldest daughter, and she just enrolled in Christ for the Nations. Uh, she finally made it to the best Bible school. She spent two years in that Hillsong College or something out in Australia, and uh, anyway, she's, she's here tonight, and with her is uh, Savannah um, uh, Simons, and uh, whose parents are Gary and April Simons. You might not know who that is. April is Joel Osteen's sister. She's the granddaughter of the great John Osteen. And uh, she's also a student at Christ for the Nations. And there was another one. Oh, Matthew didn't come. Where's Matthew? No? Okay, he didn't come. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> so anyway, really glad to have y'all tonight. Love you very much. I'm glad to have all of you here. Um, we could, let's take our Bibles and go now to the book of Ephesians. We're going to cover the entire book tonight in about 25 minutes, something like that, 35, 45. But I'm very excited to bring this, this, uh, book into light tonight because it's, I have to say, probably overall, Ephesians is probably my favorite book in the entire Bible, um, this week anyway. I have to give that disclaimer. <laughs> but I love this book. It's such a well-rounded book that it is six chapters long, and the first three chapters are one theme, and the next three chapters are another theme. And this book is a very practical book on the second half, and the first part is very theological. And so Paul um, wrote this book, more than likely his first, of his prison epistles. He is imprisoned in Rome, and his entire traveling ministry has stopped. And now, what does he do? He knows God called him. He knows God called him to preach to the Gentiles, and he has been doing so, but now he's in prison. How can he be effective where he is? Well, he can start writing some letters. If he can't travel to the churches, he can at least get word to them and send some letters and encourage them and, and, by, and continue to teach them from jail. I was telling Jeremiah Land earlier, I said, I don't think Paul saw just how significant those letters would become, what kind of impact they would make on the entire world. And we are here in 2017 still talking about them, yeah. gathered around yeah. that revelation that the Lord gave him. His most effective ministry happened from prison. Isn't that incredible? You know, no matter where you are, no matter where you are, God can do marvelous things yeah. right where you are. Amen. 
And it might seem small where you are. It might seem like it's not much. Just let God work through you. Because he'll do much with what little you have or are able to do. You just never know. But when you put it in his hands, he'll make great things out of it. And so this, this book is proof of that tonight, that Paul writing Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, all from prison, and all around the same time, because and we'll talk about that connection here in just a moment. Around AD 60, 61, 62, somewhere around there is when these books were penned, all from the, the prison in Rome. And <clears throat> he sent these letters by the hand of a guy named Tychicus. Come on, let's make a friend of that name, Tychicus. And another one named Onesimus. I'd like to meet these guys. They had to have been tough, surely, by the time they grew up, gotten a few fights over being ridiculed for their names, Tychicus and Onesimus. And uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21, Paul's telling the Ephesian church that I'm sending Tychicus to you so that... And so Tychicus obviously took this letter by that you may also know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, beloved brother and faithful minister, and the Lord will make all things known to you. Also, um, in Colossians uh, chapter 4, you don't have to bring that up if you don't want to, unless you just feel like it. Colossians 4, 7 through 9, he is another prison epistle where he talks about Tychicus and Onesimus coming to give report. Uh, a beloved Brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant, and the Lord will tell you all the news about me. Verse 8, I am sending him to you for the very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. Verse 9, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. And then lastly, uh, Philemon chapter 1, it's just, it's just one, one chapter, and verses 10 through 12. Let's look at that for a moment. And... Uh, <clears throat> He was, uh, Philemon was a, a, a man that Paul is writing a, a letter to about this guy named Onesimus, actually. Onesimus was a runaway slave who worked for Philemon and then fled his duties. And somewhere along the way, Paul encountered him. And he got converted and he went into the Lord and, and he became useful for Paul. And so now he's pleading with Philemon to take him back, to receive him back as a brother, and, um, and to be gracious to him. So with Onesimus, uh, yeah, Philemon, uh, chapter, uh, verse 10, let's look at verse 10. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. So we know that these guys were the carriers of these letters, these churches, and this one specifically to this individual by the name of Philemon, or as my Jamaican friends would say, Philemon. <laughs> but Ephesians can be divided into, into two themes. The first three chapters are where you are going to find who you are, where you are, and what you have in Christ. Um. These are very grand and lofty theological truths. I'm, I've just pulled out some phrases from some of the chapters so you see what I'm talking about when I say grand and lofty. And think about the, he, it, it's extraordinary that Paul doesn't, when he gets to Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 
it's like his tone in writing changes a bit. Because when he's writing to the Corinthian church, <laughs> he's not all that nice sometimes. It seems like he's having to bring a lot of correction to the church. And they, need, they needed to be corrected in a lot of ways. Um, and sarcastic with them. Uh, the Galatian churches, you know, he's, he's straight up with them and defending his apostleship and the gospel and asking them questions like, who bewitched you that you would not obey the truth of the gospel? And those kinds of things. He's, he's very strong and authoritative. But when he gets in prison, I don't know if it just makes him softer or what, but his tone changes, and, and we come to Ephesians. Listen to this. In, in chapter 1, I'm just going to read some of the phrases from it when I'm talking about these grand and lofty theological truths, blessed with, that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow. We're chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Do you see the, the bigness of this? Our place in the world and God's plan for our lives and when it all started. Uh, um, predestined to adoption as sons. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. Wow. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And then he offers this lofty prayer, and you've, you've, you've heard this. I love this prayer. He says that the God, verse 17 of chapter 1, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Sensing the grand grandness, is that a word, grandness? I have to ask my word scholar over here from time to time. Because I know there are, some, there are times he's sitting there going, ew. <laughs> Chapter 2, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. That one makes you kind of think, like, how did God do that? Even when we were dead, he made us alive with Christ. Well, how did you do that, God? Well, I'm God. That's how I did it. Which I love that because that tells me and you that we had nothing to do with saving ourselves. We were dead. Dead man can't do nothing to help himself. Powerless. And even when we were dead, he made us alive. Seated in heavenly places with Christ. That's, that's one that, I, that makes me go, how, how's that working, God? It's, and it doesn't give it as a futuristic event. It says that we already are. We're seated in the heavenly places with Christ. Well, how is that happening? Well, because we are spirits. We, we have, we're living in this body on the earth, and it's a very limited kind of existence, but in the spirit, it's limitless. And so as we're here, fellowshipping and in the house of God, there's an aspect of us, really the essence of who we are, that is seated with him in heavenly places. It's like the highest place, the highest seat of authority. Think about that. Jesus, Jesus so saved you, he so saved you that he put you right up next to him 
Wow. That's better than being second. He put you in first place. I want to I want to get wristbands that say I am first. <laughs> Not because I did it. He did it. In listen to this that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So now we have something to look forward to. And you know what we get to look forward to? More grace. Grace, grace, and more grace. The exceeding riches of his grace. You think it's good right now. Oh, my gosh. It's like that's the best thing he can give us. Never underestimate grace. Because in the ages to come, he's going to show us the exceeding riches of that grace. What does that look like? By grace, you have been saved through faith. There's a great thought. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Listen to this. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Get this, this is is how God is seeing you. You might not feel like all these things, but this is how God sees you. Being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Every time we gather like this, we get a little glimpse of what that is. Chapter 3 goes on to say that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel. The gospel is what brought us into this. That message you heard, Christ died for your sins, according to the Scriptures, and He was buried and He rose again the third day. That's what has brought you together, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. So God wants to reveal this mystery, this fellowship of the mystery. Sounds kind of J.R.R. Tolkien-ish, doesn't it? This fellowship of the mystery, to know it, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. I love that. And then he offers up this other lofty prayer. For this reason, verse 14, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, listen to this, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let me ask you something. How are you going to know something that passes knowledge? You're going to know it, but you're not going to know it how you you know other things. This, This kind of knowledge surpasses that knowledge. This is a knowledge that's known in the realm of faith and love. That's how you're going to know his love. Because you believe in him. And it's at that moment, there's something about faith that makes the gospel and makes life in Christ a reasonable thing. But you can't, it won't make sense to you if you're outside of faith. None of this makes sense. I've talked to you about this before, but let's just think about some of the things that we believe, all right? That makes sense to you now, but if you're on the outside and you're seeing this happen, Water baptism. Try to reason that out in your head. Come to church. You've never been to church, and you see this pastor dunking people in some tank up there. 
Does that make sense to you? Hmm? But when you believe, it makes sense. When you have the scriptures to teach you, oh, how about communion? Hmm? I mean, even at one point in John chapter 6, Jesus said, if you don't drink my blood and you don't eat my body, you have no part of me. And the scripture says, many of them were like, see ya. (laughs) Drink your blood and eat your body? Because if you try to figure it out through human reasoning, you ain't going to arrive at the revelation of it. But when you believe, something happens. A new knowledge comes. A new knowledge comes in that. Extraordinary, isn't it? It's best that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church throughout all ages, all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That, those kind of verses, chapters 1 through 3, those are kind of, you kind of take, got to take them one verse at a time and just chew on them for a little bit. It's like Paul was like caught up in some flow from God, and I can almost see him just writing as fast as he can, because as, as you keep reading, it's just like comma, 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 chameleon. Okay, all right. Okay. Stop now. Stop. All right. Then you get to chapter 4. Now, Then it, it shifts gears. You get to chapter 4, and he says, walk in love. Oh. So Paul just is showing us something. Now that you know who you are, now you can know what to do. The doing comes after the being. Hmm? Too many Christians have that completely backwards. Do, 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 so I can be, 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 be. No, no, you be. And then now doing is not a striving, not a working hard, and it's fruiting. (laughs) You're just fruiting. You're bearing fruit. Hmm? It's a natural thing. Walk in love toward one another. Listen to this. Uh, Also in chapter 4 is where we find the fivefold ministry, the gifts that Jesus gave to the church. I love this. When he ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. And what are those gifts? Pastors, prophets, evangelists, apostles, and teachers. Now, why are they here? Why are these guys here? What's the point? Hmm? Why are they here? They're here for you. That's why they're here. It says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Who's supposed to do the work of the ministry? Well, why do we pay the preacher if we're supposed to do it? (laughs) Kind of an interesting mentality the church has, isn't it? That's the preacher's job. No, that's your job. He's supposed to teach you, and then you go do it. Amen. All right. That we grow up. Listen to this. It says that we grow up by speaking the truth in love. We mature in that way. Not worried about offending somebody. Hey, people are going to get offended sometime or another. Right? I'm offended. So? 
I mean, think about it. Is that really the worst thing that can happen to a person? That offends me. And? I mean, it would be one thing if you said, like, I'm offended, and the next day you woke up with leprosy. But if you're just offended, get over it. Grow up. Come on, you baby. Grow up. Who cares? All right. Lord, help us. You okay if I talk to you like adults tonight? So these are things it's teaching us what to do now. What does this look like? What's the action we take? How do we walk this thing out? Put off the old ways. Renew your mind and put on the new man. I like that. It's also found in chapter 4. Be angry at the right thing. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Oh, that's good. Really what it's saying is be angry and stay angry. But you got to stay angry at the right thing. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. It means don't let your wrath end. Don't give place to the devil. Don't take your anger out on people. Beat the hell out of the devil with it. <laughs> let no corrupt word... Whoops. <laughs> let... <laughs> All right, I'm still working on that one, apparently. Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. What? <laughs> you know, in other words, in other words, he's saying this life, this Christian experience needs to be reflected in your words. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Should we sing the song? This is what my, my home, man. Me and my brother be fighting, or Potsy knows the song. We'd be fighting all of a sudden. My hair, my mom, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Too, too. Twiddly do. Ephesians 4.32. Yeah. Okay, mom, we'll stop filing. Just stop singing. Stop singing. I'm happy. I love my brother. <laughs> Chapter 5 opens up. Imitate God. See, now it's putting us into action. What, this, what, what our life in Christ looks like. Live a lifestyle that is fitting for saints, it says. Isn't this beautiful? Walk as children of light. Redeem the time. Know the will of the Lord. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Give thanks to God always. Can somebody say, thank you, Lord? Hmm? Submit to one another. Yeah, that didn't get near as many amens. This is going to get better amens. As the church is subject to Christ, so wives, submit to your own husbands. Oh, as Christ loves the church. Husbands, love your wives. You know what that means? As he loved the church, he laid down his life for her. I like the wife submit part, but I didn't like that verse very much. 
Chapter 6, hey, he ain't just dealing with husbands and wives. Now he says, kids, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and mother. Hmm? Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Amen. How about chapter 6? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Take up the whole armor of God. Hmm? We're putting this thing into action, these truths into action. Pray in the Spirit always, it says. In the New King James, there are um, many places throughout this book that reference the phrase, in him or phrases like it. 34 different times, these phrases consist of in Him, in Christ, in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus, in God, in Himself, in the Spirit, in whom. What do you think the theme of this book is? In Him. One time it says in one body. It's Him. Six times it says in love. Again. It's him. So we have something like 40 references of about life in him, what things in him look like. It's all about him. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 3 now. All right. Are we having fun yet? Yeah. I'm glad you came tonight. I want to show you something really powerful. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. I love that he didn't say, I'm a Roman prisoner. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. It's like that jail cell was only a symbol of what really was. In one place, I think it was Galatians, he says that he was chained to the gospel. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. Wow. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. How many of you think maybe it's important to know what Paul says since he's the guy that got the message from Jesus to give to you? He said it was given to me for you. Hmm? I remember growing up in our little Pentecostal church, we had these little phrases and stuff and and I, I don't mean to knock my upbringing so much. I'm grateful to God for it. But there were things, <laughs> there were things in that little wild country church that were, just should never have happened or been said. But I can remember when people really wanted to tout their knowledge of God. and the, I read the red. I read the red. Because those are the words of Jesus. I read the red. Well, good. But that better not be the only place you read. Because you're going to be maimed. If you're going to go by what the red says, you're going to be cutting off a right hand, plucking out a right eye. You're going to regret just reading the red. Because his ministry was exclusively to the Jews teaching and his healing ministry, until the fullness of the Gentiles came in, until we showed up, and Paul said, ah, God said, I need somebody to go to them. And he chose this man, Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, and he says, I am the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. So now I've got a message to get to you from Jesus. And, and when you read, when you, when you set yourself up to 
know this revelation from Paul to the Gentiles, then when you look into everything else from the Bible, you see it from the right perspective. It has to come through this lens for you to really know the Scriptures in the right way because you start understanding that, that different audiences are being addressed many times. And so that way you can have better understanding of the Scriptures. I, for many years, I didn't know that. I didn't get it. And so some days I'd be reading the Bible and just seeing just like all this good stuff. The next day, ugh. am I the only one that's felt like that? Why is that there? Thinking it all applied to me, but it doesn't. Let me say something to you, and we're going to look at this in just a moment. It's more important for you to know the mystery than it is the history. That's what God came to reveal to you. If the history was so important, then Paul would have certainly been bringing all that up for you. But those are references for us to see, to learn from, but not to live by. We live in this mystery. All right, now, what is this mystery? Let's look at verse 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So Paul's saying, listen, I'm not, this isn't me for, to keep to myself. Jesus gave me, showed me the mystery, and now I'm here to give it to you, to understand it. Watch. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So th this, nobody knew this was coming. What, what was coming? What's so mysterious? What is it that these prophets didn't know about, they didn't, they didn't get? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. See, when Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, they did not think Gentiles. They weren't thinking the entire globe. They were thinking all the Jews in the world. That's all they thought of because all they saw was that God's hand was on the Jewish nation, and it was. And they were the covenant people, and they were. And they were called the people of God, and they were. And everybody else was on the outside. That's why when the angel, or when Peter in Acts chapter 10 had that vision, God had to show it to him three times for him to finally go, okay. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he's looking at all these animals, and so, so many of them are not kosher. They're not part of the Jewish diet. And that's not necessarily what God is telling him to do. He's telling him, now this message is for all the world. So Peter shows up at Cornelius' house and even opens up saying, according to the law, I'm breaking the law right now. This is not according to my tradition. I don't, I don't know. I only came because God told me to be here. And so when Peter preached there at Cornelius' house, the first Gentile convert gets saved by hearing to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. And when they heard that news, they got saved right there. They believed. It's a marvelous thing. And so then it just began to spread everywhere. So these guys didn't know that. Nobody had that revelation until the Acts chapter 10. And it started with Peter. And then Paul carried it on from there. And Peter said, I'm going back to the Jews now. Thank you. That's fun. Go for it, Paul. <laughs> Watch, of which I became minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. No doubt it was the effective working of his power because he was a Jew of the Jews. Verse 8, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ 
9, and to make all see, say all see, what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages had been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. What Jonah was talking about earlier, what Jonah was talking about, they, 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 nobody saw this. Nobody saw this. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw you coming. That God had it all tucked away, waiting for the right time, waiting for the right moment. I kind of like the way my dad says it. There's a scripture in the book of Psalms where he says, ask of me and I will give the nations as an inheritance. So my dad kind of tells it like this. After Jesus has died on that cross and was buried and rose from the dead and then spent about 40 days or so with his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom to come and what they need to do until then. And then they watched him ascend up into heaven and he sat down at the Father's right hand. <clears throat> and then the Holy Spirit poured out in Acts chapter 2. And somewhere in that time, between 2 and chapter 10, that first Jewish or first Gentile convert, Jesus looked over at his Father and said, give me the nations. And so then God said, okay. Sends an angel to Cornelius' house, and it all starts right there. That's pretty good. So that is actually, that ask of me and I'll give the nations, that is actually, if you read it in the Psalms, that is actually God talking to his son. The nations are not our inheritance. They're his inheritance. Colossians 1, verse 24. We're, we're circling the airport right now. Colossians 1, verse 24 through 27. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, I used to read that and go, who in the world do you think you are? Did you hear what he just said? I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. It sounds like he's saying... <clears throat> Jesus didn't quite do all the work, so uh, I'm, I'm finishing it up for him. That's what it sounds like. Am I the only one that reads it like that? Okay. I used to go, man, what does that even mean? I, I'm, I felt weird even reading it for the sake of his body, which is the church. But here's the truth. This revelation that Paul got had a price tag with it, and that price tag was suffering. And Jesus even told Paul when he called him, he said, I'm going to show you the things you must suffer. With every kind of message like this, a message that would change the world, there's a price that needs to be paid for it. These guys had not seen Jesus. They hadn't seen the marks on his body. So Paul was there to show the sufferings of Christ in his own body for the Gentile church to believe the message. The mystery, verse 26, which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. What is this mystery? What is this mystery? Well, Ephesians says that the Gentiles should come in, right? To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of 
this mystery among the Gentiles. Here we go. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, right now, you're sitting there thinking, what's so mysterious about that? Try to be a Jew back then and hear that Christ, God was going to dwell in Gentiles. You'd be busting the spring right now. That doesn't, that doesn't uh, compute. So we don't take advantage or overlook the miracle that we are experiencing even now. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This was the big secret in God's heart that would one day come to pass. And we're living in it. You're living in the mystery. You're living in the mystery. Huh? You're living in the mystery right now. The hope of glory. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. I got two more verses. Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. <laughs> Again, wow, Paul. <laughs> I love that he calls it his gospel. Isn't that great? Able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. You were God's best kept secret. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, but we speak, 1 Corinthians 2, 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Wow. Do you understand just how important Paul's role was in the church, for the church, to the church today? That we're, we're living in it right now. And so the more that we experience uh, this truth, the more we look into this truth, as Paul said, I want you to get it, the width, the depth, the length, the height, I want you to get all of it. Because it's so big and it surpasses our knowledge. And the only way that you're going to really begin to grasp it is to, is to believe this and to live out this love experience with God and bring that to others. And as you do, that mystery, not so mysterious, it's really quite wondrous, miraculous, that God is in us today. And that's really the, 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 the big theme here. Besides in Christ, now we also see not only in Christ, in Christ, in Him, but Christ in you. Ephesians, I want to I just encourage you this week to... Uh, to read this book. Just take your time, pray, read, read portions of it. Don't try to read all of it in one setting. Uh, just, just read some bits of Scripture and just chew on it for a while. Just think about it. Meditate on it. Let the Lord just speak to you personally out of this book because it's just a marvelous, marvelous thing. Who you are, where you are, what you have, and what to do about it. The, the chapters four through six all, all had to do with your thoughts, your words, and your actions. How to operate those things according to God's will. How to think right, how to talk right, and how to act right. All right? Great book. Let's, let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you for this time together in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for, this, for the Apostle Paul.
Thank you, Lord, for his labor and his work, God, that you revealed this to this man, and now it has come to all the world. The devil tried so hard to stop him, put him in prison, but Lord, that's when the chains came off the gospel. Hallelujah. Chains came on the man and came off the gospel. And Lord, I think of that even today, it, it is still permeating the earth, this glorious message of Christ in you. God loves the world. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Anyone who believes on him, I love that. Whoever believes on him, anyone can believe and receive this free gift of salvation. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that you did everything that was necessary in Christ Jesus for us to be made right with God, to have real relationship with God, not just a religious experience, but a relationship. Thank you that we have that in Christ because we simply receive it by faith. Believe your gospel. Believe in Christ. We call on your name, Lord, in our day of trouble, and there you are. Your word says you're a very present help in time of need. How interested you are, intrinsically interested in every detail and facet of our life. Even David, when he began to write out just how involved you are in us, he says, you saw me in my mother's womb when I didn't even have form. The substance, there was substance, but there was no form to the substance. You saw me there. You've written all my parts in a book. I'm, I'm recorded everything about me, God. Father, thank you. Thank you. Tonight, I want to just, just while, you're, while your head's bowed for just a moment, I want to just ask you, there's something inside of you, in your heart, maybe where you have kept that somewhat protected by you from God. <laughs> Doesn't mean you don't love God. You love God. You're a child of God. But there's an area in your life where you know he's knocking on this door in this area, and you haven't opened that door up to let him in because you are afraid to let go or let him come in and influence that. Maybe, I don't, I don't know what the reason might be. Fear is the main thing, though. And he wants all of you. And he can be trusted. He's good. Maybe if that's you tonight, just where you're sitting, just say, Lord, I open that door to you. Speak to me. Speak to me. Let your love come in and heal. Heal the hurt. Heal the pain. I release. I forgive who I need to forgive now. I'm not going to spend one more second holding a grudge against someone because that is controlling my life and I'm not going to give it that power. I want you to take control. I want you to be the voice that's guiding my life. And there's nothing worth defending to keep you out, to keep you at arm's length, to keep you distant from me. So I invite you in to help me, change me, to refresh me, to renew me, to heal me. Thank you now for that, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, he's not, he's not uh, 
He's not disappointed in you. Don't believe that lie for one more second. He's not put out with you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. And he's eager to help you. He's eager to be in this thing with you. Didn't he prove it already when he gave you his son? How much he loves you? Hasn't he shown you already? Trust him. Hallelujah. Because you know what he's bringing with him? He's bringing joy. He's bringing peace. He's bringing wisdom. He's bringing strength. He's bringing life. He's bringing healing. He's bringing help for you. Good things. Good things. Amen? Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, let's stand together tonight. We did cover a lot of the book in a very short amount of time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you now that you bless your people and they're going out just like they've been blessed and they're coming in. I declare over them that no evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. For you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. Thank you, Lord, that you are with them, a very present help. And I thank you for the favor of God that surrounds them as with a shield. That where they go, you go. You are on their side. And I thank you that no matter what they may face, troubles, trials, challenges out there in life, they can know greater is he that is in them than he that's in the world. And I declare that all of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of their children. I declare peace in their homes, and even tonight they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety. Thank you, Father God, that these are those who know their God. They are strong, and they do exploits in the earth. Thank you, Father God, that you grant your people wisdom and understanding. Boldness, God, to declare your love and grace to a sighing, dying, crying humanity. Father God, I thank you now that you go with them. Lord, and as they go, the mountains and the hills break forth with singing, and the trees of the fields clap their hands as your people go out of here with joy tonight. In Jesus' name, and now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.